Today is Thursday, November 16th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The IDF makes a disturbing discovery in a Gaza hospital. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org if you want to email us. And joining me now to get through the news of the Cray, the triumvirate's back on this Friday Junior episode of the podcast. Trey, Billy, what's up? We are here and excited, yeah. as always. Yeah, happy to be back. You know, D.C. was crazy with uh, the numbers are what close to 300,000 people at this march yeah. for Israel, which was it was incredible to see in person, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Trey was there covering it for us for the live stream that we did on YouTube. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit about that in just a couple of minutes coming up on the podcast. Incredible event. And again, you can watch it. Just check out uh, the live uh, posts on the CBN News YouTube channel. But coming up on the uh, focus story today, Trey, we got a pop star talking about cultures over sexualization and how it's impacted her. Yeah, you know, I think it's important to, to talk about this because it is something that's impacting people's lives. And to hear a pop star, like somebody who's in Hollywood, super famous, talking about how we're too obsessed with sex, that's not something you yeah. hear very often. So uh, interesting comments. All right, looking forward to discussing that. And Billy, you had a conversation for today's main thing with the woman who was in that viral video where she gets arrested in the UK outside of an abortion facility for praying silently. She's literally just standing there. It's incredible video. You caught up with her. Yeah, it's it's incredible video, but it's also she's been arrested twice and has also faced um, a recent infraction, which we'll get into with the cops again. So Goodness. it's pretty it's a pretty wild story. Unbelievable. All right. All of that and more coming up on the podcast today. First, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. The IDF released video yesterday showing weapons found inside the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza. As soldiers entered the hospital complex, according to the IDF, they engaged with a number of terrorists and killed them. Following this, during searches in one of the departments of the hospital, the troops located a room with technological assets along with military and combat equipment used by the Hamas terrorist organization. This footage shows Israeli officers sorting through firearms, ammunition, and weapons that are purportedly belonging to Hamas fighters. The IDF says that these assets, and there's a lot of intelligence information there as well, were found in the hospital It's being reviewed right now. The US House of Representatives has voted overwhelmingly to prevent a government shutdown by passing yet another emergency funding measure earlier this week. But House Speaker Mike Johnson issued a warning that came along with that, saying that as long as I've been in Congress, We've governed by omnibus bills right before Christmas. It's a terrible way to run a railroad. And the reason that we're in such trouble with our federal debt is because Congress is addicted, obsessed with this deficit spending. Johnson also had some interesting comments on the separation of church and state. He said it's a, quote, misnomer. People misunderstood it. Of course, it comes from a phrase in a letter that Jefferson wrote. It's not in the Constitution. Those are just some of today's top headlines you can check out. More stories over at CBNnews.com. Guys, Speaker Johnson here, we, we were aware and made known of his faith when he kind of hit the scene, when he ended up getting this speaker vote and taking that role. And his comments on that were interesting because I feel like, Bill, you cover these FFRF stories all the time, Freedom From Religion Foundation, and they always cite separation of church and state. And 
Um, it's so clearly not what those guys are saying. And I think Johnson kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And I think we've seen this, you know, again and again, where these organizations get it wrong. Right. And you see that there are very few people who are willing to stand up the way that he has and say, no, 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 this is, this is really what is meant by separation of church and state. So it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, to see uh, a house speaker who's, um, very comfortable with his faith, right? Yeah. And is is open about talking about his Christianity and he's very compassionate. So it's not like he's bullish and, and kind of a, a jerk about it at all. He's he's very eloquent. He's also very um, friendly in his exchanges with people and says, look, this is, this is what I think. This is what I believe. And th- these are my convictions. And it's refreshing to, as a believer, to see somebody who's also a believer in a high position of power and isn't cowering or kind of watering down his faith at all. I think that's a huge encouragement. Yeah. And he also made mention of the fact that the quotes from our founders that say the constitution is made for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate for, uh, for any other. And so it's, um, that is true. And you're seeing a culture right now that's in moral decay and moral decline. And so it makes you wonder and you, and it makes you understand why so many politicians are willing to try to push and go around the constitution because they are starting to get a culture that is like okay with it they're they're not as moral or at least trying to be as moral as they were before and this is the result yeah. Well, let's also keep in mind that there are even some other unlikely people. I mean, obviously the Republicans are more likely to be the ones to to try to correct this wrong, but Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, he's been out there saying that removing prayer from schools was a bad idea. Look what it did to kids. Look how it's hurt society, right? So you're seeing people, I think, start to connect the dots. For a long time here, looking at some of the things you just mentioned and seeing where we are, they would almost act like there was no connection between the move away from the eternal and the chaos. But I I think even some of those people who would have maybe previously denied it are now seeing it. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. All right, well, uh, we are gonna head over to the focus story. Now moving things right along, and a famous pop star is talking about culture and how it sexualizes teens We're talking about the moral decline and this is an example of it right here so what did, what did she who is it and what she say yeah so i think this story is interesting this uh, billy eilish is is the singer she's a, a 21 year old pop star not at all christian has a lot of songs that um it would certainly be kind of anathema to um, a Christian worldview. So not at all promoting necessarily her music or, or her, her stance as a pop star, but her comments about sexuality, I think are interesting. And I think they shed light on, on this issue because like I said, she is just 21 years old. She first became a celebrity at 13 years old when her song ocean eyes, she uploaded to her SoundCloud account it ended up going viral. She became this huge celebrity uh, overnight. Uh, and she's now talking in a variety interview uh, about what it's been like to navigate uh, being a female and being a young teenager when she first became a star. And a lot of it is uh, based on the fact that she was a teenager, right? She's underage. She's 13 years old. And she said she was already being exposed even then to super sexualized 
comments. And she said in this interview, being a woman is just such a war. And she's talking about the fact that women's bodies are so often sexualized. And she said that was something that she experienced even as a young teenager. And that's partly why she ended up wearing really baggy clothes is because like, if nobody can see my body, then maybe nobody is going to say anything uh, about my body or in any way try to objectify me uh, or, or make comments about me in a sexual way. Uh, she said too, at 13 years old, she was already being inundated with questions about, well, who are you dating? Uh, why does your body look like this? What's your sexual orientation? Um, so all of that, I, I think, really colored the position she has now, uh, which is that so often we are hyper-focused on sexuality. Uh, and, and even in Hollywood, uh, where there are not very many people speaking out about this, it's become such an issue that she's willing to speak out about it because she even described all of those deeply personal questions that she got as a young teen as, quote, weird and upsetting. Uh, she said, I didn't want people to have access to my body even visually. I wasn't strong enough and secure enough to show my body. If I had shown it at that, at that time, I would have been completely devastated if people had said anything. And we should note she wasn't talking about being like super provocative or wearing really uh, revealing clothes. She was saying wearing anything that showed any degree of skin made her uncomfortable. Yeah. And like they should be able to just do wear what they want to wear. I mean, you're I've always wondered how people have been able to convince. And I guess it's just power in the industry. They've sort of convinced celebrities that, hey, you know, you're it's powerful to show off your sexuality and they sort of push them in that direction. And clearly they're doing that because they think sex sells. And so they're trying to push them in that direction. And so I have more respect for these artists. It just seems like the most ridiculous, lowest hanging fruit and demeaning to your own talent and ability to sit there and parade yourself around in basically underwear or nothing or scantily clad clothes or anything that makes you uncomfortable. And it's just it's always kind of been a head scratcher for me as to why women in particular don't realize like kind of like she did that, hey, that's ridiculous. I want to be known for my singing, not for what my body looks like. So I'm just going to do it this way. So I, I give her props for actually dressing like that the way to, to kind of combat it. Yeah, no, totally. I think to your point, it, it, has been sad and kind of fascinating to see the way that we've kind of turned the tables when it comes uh, to sexuality. Now, yeah, the the fewer clothing items you wear and yeah. the closer to naked you are on a stage, the more empowered you are, which at, at the same time, obviously people are, you, you're objectifying yourself. And, and then there are people who are then, uh, of course, objectifying you. Right. I don't know how that's at all empowering. empowering and as no. Christians, of course, we know that that's not empowering, not only because it's immodest, but because uh, the, the root issue there is, right? The immodesty is, is just a symptom. Uh, the issue is a lack of respect for yourself as, as a temple for the Lord and a, a lack of uh, respect for, for image bearers as, as men and women, right? We, we, we're, we're designed, obviously, as sexual beings to practice that sexuality within the confines of marriage. But we live in a culture where there's kind of the, the freedom uh, to, to practice sexuality any way we want to. But we also know that Satan is the prince and power of the air. And there's a lot of perversion of God's perfect design. And we've seen so much of that. So it is interesting to see somebody in Hollywood kind of pushing back against that as a problem. Yeah. And it's also not edgy anymore either, right? Like maybe in 1951 no, yeah. or something when Elvis was shaking his <laughs> hips and everyone was like, wow, this is shocking. 
maybe then you could argue that, but not now. I mean, we've pretty much seen it all at this point. And so it's not, you go out there and parade around in your underwear. Like this is, it's not anything new even it's and and on top of what we were just saying so it's like doubly pointless at least in my opinion but apparently they don't agree with mine but she's talked about this in the past before trey particularly regarding pornography what else has she said yeah i think um she's been really candid in some of her speaking and uh, pornography actually she said in past interviews played a role in the fact that she wears such modest clothing clothes that cover up the the majority of her body is because as someone who used to have a pornography addiction, uh, she said she started looking at porn in, I, I think she said she was 11 years old when she was first exposed to porn. And I remember she, she got famous at 13 years old when she was presumably still dealing with this pornography addiction. Cause it was years later uh, that she started talking about it. And she said, because I'm aware of what pornography looks like and the, the fact that so many people are looking at porn, she wanted to cover her body because she knew of the likelihood of her body being sexualized as a result of this, uh, porn-obsessed culture. So she said in an interview in 2021, she said, I think pornography is a disgrace. I used to watch a lot of porn, to be honest. I started watching porn when I was around 11. I think it really destroyed my brain, and I feel incredibly devastated that I was ever exposed to so much pornography. And she since has talked about it in, in a few other interviews and said that she doesn't look at pornography anymore, not for any religious reason, but just for the fact that it does destroy our psyche, right? It destroys the way we view other people and the way that we view ourselves no good for her for realizing that and and pointing people in a different direction because like you said trey there's there's really just not a lot of celebrities that will actually be willing to say stuff like this this is not going to get you a lot of popularity within la i mean that's that's honestly a scathing indictment of la if you've ever been to la i've only been a few times but every time you go it's like the land of plastic and models and supercars driving around and it's ridiculous it's it's actually ridiculous and you know plastic surgery all of that stuff it's just everywhere there so for her to be saying that uh, i think speaks volumes yeah well i mean you know just listening to you guys on this it, it is interesting because even though it's not shocking the reality is the the ante has been upped a lot of these celebrities some of them have put themselves on OnlyFans and these other yeah. sites that are that are pornographic right like so it seems like there's still this want that people have for this kind of content, which is why I think it continues to happen. And, you know, props to her for speaking out. I think the other big issue here is that a lot of young people, a lot of kids in Hollywood, and this has been talked about a lot, they're put in adult situations that they shouldn't be put in, whether that's interview questions, whether that is the roles they're taking on. I mean, this is something that needs to really be dealt with because that to me is a whole other separate issue outside of the general sexualization going on. Mm. Yeah. And, and look, it's incumbent on parents too. It always falls back to the parents. You know, you gotta, like she said, what what did you say, Trey 13 when she sort of hit and got famous? Yeah. So 13 when she became a celebrity, which is, I think celebrity and stardom is not really good for any human being, but certainly not for a 13 year old. No, you're still learning how to process stuff at that point. You're still finding out who you are. You're still learning and your brain's still very much developing. Like she said, it's going to ruin your brain and fame does that as well. So interesting perspective there, Trey. Thanks for bringing it to the podcast today. All right, we're going to head over to the main thing now. Isabel Vaughn Spruce is a UK woman. And she's faced at least three 
run-ins with law enforcement, including two arrests, forget this, silently praying outside abortion clinics. Well, Billy caught up with her and a discussion and everything she's got going on, including another one of these entanglements. And that's today's main thing. Isabel, your story has been international. It has gone viral repeatedly. You have now had three run-ins with law enforcement over silently praying outside of abortion clinics, but in these buffer zones. And we'll get into all of that. But tell us about this latest issue that you had just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so as you say, this comes on off the back of um, being arrested, being acquitted of that. Um, having gone to court. But the most recent time was um, simply just standing again near the abortion centre, silently saying my prayers, not holding any posters or leaflets, not engaging with anyone in any way. And the police came and told me that they were going to issue me with a fixed penalty notice if I didn't move outside the zone. Um, Obviously, I, I told them that I didn't believe I needed to because all I was doing was silently praying. And so they gave me with the ticket Um, which I was later told um, if I came again, I would get a fixed penalty notice. Um, So that seems to be saying that this time I haven't had one, even though they gave me a ticket at the time. Um, But again, it's just really, really confusing. Um, The the messages I'm getting from the police, you know, to, to be going to court, to be acquitted, to having an email from them saying they're dropping charges and and now coming out again. um, It's actually quite intimidating. Well, why do you think that, Isabel, they keep doing this? I mean, you've had, as you said, you've been acquitted twice, you've been arrested, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, And there was even a senior official in the UK who said, you know what, it's not illegal to be praying silently. So it seems like this should not be a thing, and yet it becomes a thing again and again. Why do you think they keep targeting you? I mean, it feels like they must know who you are. This has gone viral. It's not like they don't know who you are. So why do you think this continues to happen to you? Yeah, you're quite right. Our, our own Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, made it clear to the police forces that, that silent prayer is not a crime. And yet I do feel that the, the certainly the local police where I am are, are more ideologically or politically driven um, rather than focusing on actually just, um, you know, ensuring that the law is is adhered to. Um, and, and I know that they are quite possibly under pressure from um, locals in the area, who, some of them who, who very much have a different you know, ideological perspective and the abortion provider who I know, you know contacts the police, but th- they shouldn't be at the beck and call of any particular group. They, they are there to, um, like I say, just be there to, to ensure that the law is, is enforced. Um, But sadly, I do think that some of them are are being more driven by their own ideologies. uh, And this is becoming quite evident in in the way that they're policing at the moment, which which is, again, very, very concerning that uh, and quite discriminatory that, you know, because my silent prayers are directed towards God, um, that they're they're going to try and um, move me on. You know, that that is effectively religious discrimination. And, And we know that that is the issue because they were specifically saying, you know, are you praying? What were you praying about? like it's anyone else's business, what, what's going on inside my head and, and who my prayers are for. Um, it, it's just outrageous that the police are asking these questions. Well, I know there was one officer who said to you, I have the quote in front of me, you've said you've been engaging in prayer, which is the offense. And that was, I think, the second time that you had dealt you know, with this. And so they, they have flat out said this to you. You know, Lois, I want to turn to you for a moment here because ADF UK has been working on these cases and Isabel is not the only person who has faced this, who has come under scrutiny, been arrested or had to go to court 
over silently praying outside of these clinics. Can you explain to people what these buffer zones are and why this is considered even you know, criminal behavior in the minds of some of these officers? Sure. Yeah, you might think that these stories come from 1984, but no, we are, in fact, in the UK in 2023. Now, the legislation or the local ordinances uh, that we have been dealing with so far have been put in place by uh, councils in uh, small town areas, and they typically ban an area of a few streets uh, or several streets uh, that surround an abortion facility. Now, they were advocated as part of a plan to uh, reduce harassment against women and ADF and Isabel and everybody who's involved in this absolutely condemns harassment against women in any circumstance. But unfortunately, the legislation is so vaguely worded and confusing um, and broad that it even bans um, offering help to somebody, offering a leaflet, offering charitable support, praying. And now we're to understand that officers are even interpreting this as to apply to silent prayer. Um, of course, we all know that uh, freedom of thought is protected in international law as well as domestic law, which is why uh, these uh, cases again and again are hitting the courts uh, because freedom of thought is absolute. Uh, and we're pleased that Isabel has been acqu acquitted now uh, twice in court and, and a third time the, uh, the, the fine was not followed through. Uh, but we need urgent clarity uh, from the government um, to say and to spell out uh, that this cannot keep happening and that silent prayer is not a crime. So uh, Braverman has said this before, but we need this to be uh, drafted into guidance in uh, as people are interpreting the law uh, as an official source. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much going on there, and this is so alarming. Isabel, I want to come back to you on this because you have gone through, this has been very public, these videos have gone viral, and, and you know, a lot of times you don't have video footage showing something happening, but in these cases, there has been video showing you interacting with these officers. We've had a chance to watch everything that's happened, but there's been a lot of fallout. Obviously, dealing with being arrested over this, dealing with all of the public attention on it, how have these arrests and these incidents impacted your heart and your life? Um, well, it, it, two ways, really. On, on, on one level, um, it has been quite stressful in as much as it almost makes you feel quite vulnerable that the people who should be protecting your freedoms are the ones who seem attempting to deprive you of them. And, and that puts you in, in, like I say, quite a vulnerable position. Um, but on the other hand, the amount of support I've received from people who have told me, you know, um, you know, that they they actually support abortion, but they still support, you know, my right and other people's right to be able to pray where they want to pray. Um, people who say that they don't have any religious beliefs, but they still recognize that that people's um, own private thoughts, whether they're directed towards their God or not, are their own business. And that's really encouraging to see that people can recognize what's going on here. Um, and of course, the, the, the fallout of this is that in these neighbourhoods where there has been, you know, some division about this issue, we know it's a, a very emotive issue. It hasn't helped that neighbourhood at all. The, the division has grown wider and wider. Um, even those people who are who are praying outside this buffer zone, um, you know, are, are meeting um, a lot of aggression from those who who you know disapprove of their ideological beliefs. They're meeting. Um, 
you know, physical aggression, having their property stolen. So um, those people um, who've moved further away, who aren't even inside the buffer zone, they're still, you know, being actually physically attacked as well as sworn at, spat at, all these kind of things from people who disagree with them. It hasn't helped create any kind of peace. It's just breeding more intolerance in that neighborhood. All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation there. I mean, it's really insane. I mean, that one video that she went viral in is it's one of the ones that I'll I'll never forget. It's going to be seared in my mind forever when that officer is just like, well, yep, you've gone and done it now. You've stood here silently. I mean, it's your offense. Crazy. Exactly. Absolutely crazy. So, all right. Appreciate you bringing that on the main thing today, Billy. All right, that's going to leave us with time for one last thing on the podcast today. We're going to take a look at Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And it's just a reminder to stay on guard, right? To not just let your days drone away. And just remember, nothing is promised tomorrow. We don't know when Christ is coming back again. And so we have to be ready. Yeah, no, absolutely. We got to be ready. And that means living a Christian life day in and day out. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's easy to fall into making bad choices, but that verse reminds us of the urgency of, of our faith. Yep, and Lord willing, and he doesn't return tomorrow, we'll, we'll be back on the podcast. I mean, if, if Jesus decides tomorrow is the day he comes back, then uh, probably not. I think we'll have other things going on. So, <laughs> but uh, hey, Lord willing, that crake don't rise. We'll return tomorrow. God bless. See you then.